Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to talk about preparing a dwelling place for the Lord, and I'm going to share some today, again, from the culture that we're desiring to create. And I want to be very clear that when you come to the Rhodes Church or you're listening to us, we have one single goal as our pastors and leaders, and that is to pursue the presence of God. And I don't mean this in the wrong way um, at all. I don't mean this to be insensitive in any way, shape, or form, but you are not our priority. Jesus is our priority. Now, here's what I mean by that. When we make Jesus our priority, people is his priority. So when you focus on him, he allows us to minister to people better because our perspective is not on the people, but they're on him. So we're not super uh, dependent upon making sure everything is to get people to come. So you like us and we'll cater you and we'll make you feel good and so you'll come back. and come. Well, that's not really our focus. Our focus is to get him to come, to worship him, to praise him, to exalt him because we know if he comes, you will want to be where he is. You can have church all day long and he never comes. There are lots of places you can go that he never visits. Because there's a difference than the omnipresence of God. You're like, Chad, God's everywhere. He can be with me and my deer stand. And he can be. God is everywhere, omnipresent. But how many knows you can be somewhere in a room but not be engaged in that room? Some of you could be like that today. You'd be like, I'm here, but you could also be somewhere else, right? Well, the same way God is present everywhere, but there are certain times and places that God loves to come and manifest himself to show up in a way that it's just, mm, he's, he's here in a bigger way. So that's what we're pursuing because we want him to come because we know lives are changed when he shows up. So we're talking about preparing a dwelling place. Cause, cause, because... Never mind. I was going to uh, this conversation that I had the other day with some. Well, no, it was just this morning. But never mind. Just stay focused, Chad. Stay focused. So, yeah, yeah. Shoot that rabbit. Um, we're wanting to create an atmosphere, and I'm going to address some things. God is is dealing with things in my life. He is breaking down belief systems and structures that have been built up in my life that were never his design for me. Religion has created certain things in my life that Jesus doesn't like. And he is addressing them. People saying like, Chad, I think you're changing. I am changing because I am pursuing him more than I pursued him ever in my life. And I don't say that to be arrogant. I'm just saying I'm hungry. I don't want to be one of those people that's been Christians for a long time and they just get into cruise control mode and they just start saying, well, we'll just let those younger people, those other people get on fire. I've had my time. I want to burn for him more today than I ever have in my life. So we're we're doing things a little bit differently because we're not going to structure the church around the preferences of the lukewarm. I don't mean that to be hateful. I'm just saying for the people that are lukewarm and passive, we're not going to try to pacify them. We're going to come with hunger 
and boldness and seeking the face of God. And I believe those that are lukewarm will be drawn into that and want more of Jesus. So anyway, Genesis chapter 1. Here's what I'm saying. God has always desired from the beginning to dwell with his creation. He never, ever, ever wanted religion. He never intended for us to have a structure or a system that could exist and be successful with or without him. He never wanted a belief system that did not require his presence. And we've got him today. We got, and we'll, we'll get into that. So Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to go to the beginning and we're going to talk about what he wanted. I've got to get into this quickly. And then verse 26 says, then God said, let us, who's us, plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So as I'm, I'm saying God is addressing some things in my life, I'm going to address some things that some of you, it's going to make you like, what? Because we're going to find out, especially as we're in the Bible Belt of America, we, we know religion. We are very taught we're well instructed on religion, but relationship with the king of kings, it's a little foreign to sometime, for us sometimes. So let's, let's see what he was wanting in the beginning. Let's make man in our image, in our image, and according to our likeness. Notice what he says there. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. The word image there is a Hebrew word that means model, resemblance, visual appearance of something. So it looks like something. It resembles something. It's a model of that. It's a smaller version. If you have a model toy, a toy car, that may be a model of a bigger version. That's what it means in image there. It's a likeness, it's a resemblance, but it's a model or a smaller one. The word likeness is a Hebrew word that means appearance, character, or nature. So when people talk about God made us in his image and his likeness, we thought, well, those two words are pretty similar, so we just kind of blurred them together, image and likeness. But here's something that I want you to be aware of, that those two words are very distinct in this very category. And that is that the first one, image in the Hebrew, grammatically represents the masculine gender. While likeness... Breaking down grammatically in the Hebrew language represents the feminine gender. Why are you going to this detail? Because I want to address some religion of some people that have been taught that God is a man. Well, I know he's a man because it says he in my Bible. But it says he because it was written by a bunch of he's. God is spirit. And when he made mankind, he made them in his image, masculine, and in his likeness, feminine. Both of them came from God. God is not a man. We use he, and I understand that, and I'm not trying to, what do we say now? It's not this gender pronoun issue like we're dealing with now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spirit versus flesh and blood. Flesh and blood, we have two genders, male and female. Spirit is non-gender. In Christ, there's neither male nor female. Why are you going to this detail? Because right now, we're being taught through the culture something totally different than what the Bible teaches. And so I'm trying to bring clarity to it as we get rid of and attack some old religious mindsets. So we're made in this image and his likeness, both masculine and feminine. Let them, let them, who's them? 
our creation. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man or mankind. He created them in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Here we go. Male and female, he created them. So he created male and female. Created. That word's very important. Then God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Being fruitful and multiplied does not just mean procreation, but it means that we should live a fruitful life. We should reproduce out of what God has put on the inside of us. That means your life is not about yourself. It's not limited to you, but you should be reproducing something that God has put on the inside of you. It's not about me and my four or me and no more. It's about me being fruitful in my life that I'm giving something back and multiplying the effect beyond myself. Be fruitful. Multiply. Mm -hmm. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Subdue the earth. Have dominion. He's telling his creation this. He's telling them this before he puts them on it. Genesis 2 hasn't happened yet. He hasn't put them on the earth yet, but he's created them, and he's telling them what to do when they get on there. Oh, boy. Okay, okay. I'm I'm not going to get into all this. Over the fish, over the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. He gave them the power to subdue and have dominion. Okay? So now jump down to chapter 2, look in verse 7. He says, and the Lord God formed... Formed, not created, but formed. Man of the dust of the ground. Now, wait a minute. Is this when they made man? No, he created man in chapter 1, verse 27. But in chapter 2, verse 7, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. And so here's what happened. Now he has a physical world, earth, and he says, now I'm going to form, I'm going to take the dust, and I'm going to form an earth suit. So a natural physical body... He formed out of natural physical elements. And this is what he formed and called him, put him there and said, this is now the body of the man, of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became, so man, my earth body, became a living being when? When God breathed into me the breath of life. How are you living today? Because God breathed in you the breath of life. So this is how it started. Now, there's a difference in created me versus formed me. Formed me came into this earth February 22nd, 1972. But that's not when I first existed. You're like, what? My spirit was created before the foundations of the earth. Your spirit was created before the foundations of the earth. On February, well, not before February 22nd when I was actually conceived and But that's when my human body became a living being. So again, why am I trying to go through this? Because I'm saying, I want you to understand that God from the very beginning wanted to be with us on the earth. All right, let's be clear. Verse 8, then God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here's what God did. God put 
tree of life in the garden. And notice that God also put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Who planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they were not supposed to eat? God did. Did Satan create the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? No, God did. Satan cannot create anything. He's a counterfeit, a mocker, a copier. He cannot create anything. He has no power to create. He is nothing. He is nothing. God is everything. He created this. You're like, so why did God put that tree of knowledge of good and evil? He put it in there because he created a choice because he wanted love. He wanted love. He wanted you to have the option to choose him or not to choose him. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What do they represent? The tree of life represents Jesus. The choice of life. In him was life and that life was the light of men. John chapter 1. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, when you eat of it outside of the direction of God, you are saying, I can figure it out on my own. I don't need God. What Adam and Eve were saying when they ate of that is that we don't need God. We can do it on our own. And many times we do this in our own life, that I don't need God. I don't need to be dependent on God. I don't need to pray. I don't read my Bible. I'll figure it out myself. I'm a smart guy. I'm a smart gal. I've got an intelligence. I've got my own common sense. I can figure it out. Well, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We've got to eat from the tree of life. Eat from the tree of Jesus. Let's jump down. Verse 15. Man, I can go on alone about this, but I've got to get to the encounter service too. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, eating to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. I want you to see something here. He put Adam in the garden to tend and to keep it. Study those words out in the Hebrew. It means one word in English, work. We were created to work. We were not created to freeload. We were not created to just sit around. We were created to work. That's not a political statement. That's a biblical statement. God says you are supposed to work. You're supposed to use the gifts and talents to serve other people. People thought about in the Garden of Eden, they're just sitting around eating grapes and stuff. No, no, they were working every day. Their job was to grow and develop that garden for it to expand. It started out one small garden, but God wanted that one small garden to encompass the entire earth. Oh, Jesus, that's a whole teaching. Never mind. He says, of every, and the Lord God commanded, them, commanded the man, saying, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The day that you tr- start trying to live your life without me, you're dead. Were they still breathing? Yes. Were they dead spiritually? Yes. Can I live my life physically without God? Yes. Am I alive? No. I'm dead. If you're trying to live your life without Jesus today, you're dead. That sounds a little harsh. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's time that we start addressing things and, and preaching the gospel in a way that people understand and hear the truth and stop being patty caked and, and just uh, give this softish so they feel good about themselves. I don't care whether you feel good about yourself or not. I'm going to give you the truth of what the Bible says so that you can say, whoa, I need a Savior and his name is Jesus. You'll surely die. The Lord God said it's not good that man should be alone. Women look at your husbands and quote this verse to them and say, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. I mean, God's more right than we are. If God said it's not good that man should be alone, then God's right. 
I will make it, ladies, you had a better chance to get excited than you took advantage of right there. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field. Check this out. This is amazing. This is about God wanting to dwell with us. Out of the ground the Lord God formed, out of the ground, again, he made every beast of the field, every bird of the air. And look what he did. Look what he did. He brought them to Adam. Adam's just doing his job, tending and keeping the garden, just hanging around. And then all of a sudden God starts bringing animals by him. Minding his own business, and animals just start wandering by him. Why did God bring them by Adam? It says so that God could see what Adam would call them. I'm speculating, but I'm just rolling this around that the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit in heaven said, Hey, we made these animals, these birds. They're awesome. I love them. Let's run them by Adam. See what he'll call them. You know, that's a phrase we use. Hey, I'm going to run it by somebody. This is where they got it. That's where they got it. So Adam's just standing there. I don't know if he's hoeing. There's no weeds in the garden at this time. I don't know what he's doing. But he's just there. And all of a sudden, these animals walk by. And Adam looks at him and goes, Hippopotamus. I'm sure Jesus looks at him like, really, you want to go with hippopotamus? <laughs> All right, because look what it says. See what Adam would call them, and whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Walks by, hmm. gorilla. <laughs> he just starts randomly throwing out these names, and whatever he named them, that was his name. Notice what I'm telling you. Notice what did not happen. God did not say, Adam, you better pray to me clearly and ask me what I want you to call him. He said, let's run him by Adam and see what he calls him. And whatever he calls him, that's what we'll call him. So Jesus said, hey, Father, that's now called a hippopotamus. Some people trip on this stuff. They trip on this because they've raised in this religious ideology that everything is God-determined and all we're supposed to be is like robots. Tell me what to do, God. Tell me what to say, God. Tell me how to feel, God. That was never his design for creation. His design for creation was to adopt his heart out of love and relationship so that we begin to make decisions based on that heart relationship with him and we begin to do things like him so that he is represented in the earth through that expression. He wants you to love him so much that when you do things on the earth, it's out of that context of relationship that these things happen. That I love God. <gasps> Gorilla. <laughs> I think it's just the beauty of relationship. So now look what happens. God says it's not good that man should be alone, you know. So then uh, there was not found a helper comparable to him, verse 20. So God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept and he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh in its place. So now then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. He made into a woman. Remember, a woman was already created. But he took a physical realm object, a rib, and he made 
a woman. So remember, check this out. Adam's just sitting there and these animals are wandering by him, one at a time. Hippopotamus, gorilla, ostrich, alligator, parrot. I mean, all these things are just wandering by him. And all of a sudden, it says, he made this woman a woman and he brought her to the man, just like he brought the animals. So imagine if you're Adam. Dudes, you can help me with this. I'm sitting here and I see a hippopotamus walk by. And then all of a sudden, God brings Eve by. (laughs) I'd be like, gorilla. Whoa. Man. Jesus said, God, he called her woman. I heard it out of his own mouth. That's an old preacher joke. But here's what I saw, and I wanted to emphasize. Some of this stuff may be very familiar to you, but God has always desired to have a relationship with you. He wants to co-create with you. He wants to see what you would call certain things out of a heart relationship with him. This is what the encounter service was all about. It's for people to get in the water and encounter Jesus. And some people say, I don't think you need all that. I don't think you need, I've already been baptized. Some people were skeptical, said, I don't need to do that. I've already been baptized, so what do you want to do? Some people said, hey, does anybody get healed there? They don't have to get in the water. I'm like, yeah, it happens all the time. But I can't unsee what I saw. I can't undo that. I'm what we like to call in Southern Illinois, runt. I'm runt. I I can't. I can't go back. I I can't go back to religion. I can't go back to structures where I just show up on one day a week for an hour, an hour and a half, sing some songs, hear a nice little message, and go home and just do what I want for the rest of my life. I'm ruined. I got to be with him. Why? Why? Let me give you some examples. Let me give you some examples of what happened. I just got a few. I mean, we got a bunch of stories. Some of them haven't come in yet, so we're just, if God touched you in an incredible way, um, I encourage you to reach out and give us a testimony. Here's just, again, just a couple. I'll try and be as quick as I can with these. This one lady, uh, actually from Carlinville, drove all the way from Carlinville to get in the water. That's two hours and 45 minutes one way. Says, even though I've been a Christian for 50 plus years, I had never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I wanted to meet Jesus in the water and be filled. And I felt him there through my tears and fears and hesitancy. I feel like my journey has just begun. I have much to learn, a lot to unlearn, and can't wait to see where God takes me and how he uses me as she received her prayer language and began to speak in tongues when she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, I can't thank Pastor Todd and the Rose Church for being obedient and boldly proclaiming the truth even for old Christians like me. We want old and young alike to experience the power of God. Another, another individual said, my, my celiac, 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 nerve, yeah, celiac, sciatic, all of those words are possibilities. Let's just throw them on. 
my nerve was, <laughs> you're on my last one. My nerve was really painful. Look what he says. My nerve was really painful the day before while at work, and I knew we were coming to the encounter surface because my wife wanted to get into the water. It's always the ladies that are bold to step out and do something new. Come on, guys, let's, let's be bold of our own and step out and lead the way. I had not made up my mind to get in the water yet, but it was still hurting my nerve when we arrived. During worship, the pastor said it wasn't about coming here to receive, but to come to give God praise. I felt a jolt of electricity in the back of my left knee went all the way up into the back of my neck and all the pain was gone instantly. I felt like I, felt like I didn't need to get into the water, but I decided to do it anyway. I wasn't asking for anything. I just knew I needed to get in. I felt the Holy Spirit coming over me before even touching the water. The Holy Spirit blessed me and I received my prayer language as they re received the Holy Spirit. Healed in worship, wasn't even in the water. So you don't need the water, you need Him. The magic's not in the water, the magic is in the presence of God, if I use the word magic loosely. Listen, another person. Uh, my mother had been ill for some time, and again, long story short, she passed away because of her death. Uh, she was, had been, this lady had been so busy with work, she hadn't been able to mourn. She cried at the drop of a hat, sometimes a little, sometimes a lot. It affected her health, had anxiety attacks, depression had set in, and I was eating very unhealthily, and my weight kept going up. I felt miserable. That night, I met Jesus in the water. And I asked for peace for me and my mom. And when I first entered the water, I felt a sense of calmness rush over me. I spoke with the women that were there to help, and I went under. When I came up, I felt such a release of emotion that I was sobbing uncontrollably. One of the ladies said, listen to this, I don't know what it means, but God is showing me a large red rose in front of you. I continued to cry because what they did not know is that my mother's name was Rose. Since then, I've been able to talk about my mother and remember all the good times we had as I grew up. I know she is with God. Incredible encounter with Jesus in the water. I, I, I could tell story after story after story about what I witnessed as I was baptizing people. And I, I want you to know that, again, what we're praying for is for the presence of God to be here. We're not praying for, hey, wait till the next water baptism. No, no, no. We're saying today you can encounter the presence of God. What is making the difference? What's happening? What's doing it? It's prayer is doing it. We're seeking him in prayer more than we've ever done it. And I'm telling you, every day you can pray here from 7.30 to 9. On Monday nights you can pray. Wednesday from noon to 1 and Thursday noon to 1. Saturdays 8 to 10. You can come and pray. So we're seeking. We're not praying for miracles. We're praying just to seek him. We're wanting to break out of religion and break into a relationship that says, Jesus, we just want you. Because when he comes, these things happen. Quick example, man, I could give six, five off the top of my head. One of them, one of them. Pick that one. So I'm baptizing with pastors Kevin and Amy from Mount Carmel in the, in the middle of the tank. 
And, you know, we ask people, what's your name, where are you from, and why are you getting in the water? And, and this individual, this man got in the water. As, be, as he got in there, he just all of a sudden began to weep. We didn't say, <coughs> when you get in the water, make sure you cry. It just started happening. It was the presence of God. I mean, this is a man crying. Starts crying a little bit, then starts crying a lot, then starts ugly crying. When dudes ugly cry, that's the presence of God on their life. So he's, <laughs> she's crying. And then he, God kept ministering to him. He said, my hands are on fire. I'm like, that wasn't one of the precursors of getting in the waters. Make sure your hands are on fire. What I'm saying is I'm watching God just encounter this individual. Starts repenting of sin and confessing things and wanting to get right with God. None of that was directed. They're doing it on their own. Why? Because when the presence of God touches you, something happens. As we begin to get, continue to be impacted by the presence of God, finally just wanting the Holy Spirit to come out. And I said, just release the Holy Spirit. And this again began to get up and stand and shake and said, oh, Jesus, and begin to pray in other tongues as the Holy Spirit came upon him. I, I, people would say, I don't think it needs all that. Well, as soon as that individual walked out, I turned to Pastor Kevin and I said, that right there, that what you just saw was an example of what Simon the sorcerer said to the disciples, I will pay you money if I can lay hands on people and see them filled with the Holy Spirit like you're doing. He was watching the disciples as he was praying for people and receiving and encountering the Holy Spirit. It was so impactful that Simon said, I will pay money to be able to do that. I said, what we just saw and experienced, that is the most valuable thing in the world. Nothing can pay for that. Nothing can do me. When I do that, I don't care if I'm awake till 5 o'clock in the morning baptizing people. That one moment, such fulfillment comes into my heart that I say, I will lay my life down for Jesus to touch people like that. There's nothing better, nothing better. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come on, everybody, go ahead and stand to your feet. One individual took a cloth, dipped it in the water, took it home with him. He's going to give it to his wife, put it on himself, prayed for himself, wakes up the next morning, totally different, being able to breathe, hadn't been able to breathe in years, lays it on his wife, he's laying on her a while, lays it on himself a while. God is impacting and touching people through a cloth dipped in water. What is that? It's biblical. Paul's handkerchief, his sweat rags, they would take them and lay them on people and special miracles would happen through the sweat on Paul's brow. Peter's shadow, that even Peter's shadow behind him, they would put sick people in his shadow that they might be healed. What are we doing? We're asking for the presence of God to come. I'm not trying to put him in a box and tell him what to do. When that person gets in the water, when that person comes to the altar, when that person I see in them in Walmart, it doesn't matter. I want the Holy Spirit to touch them. I want them to be impacted. And we want to undermine all of these religious teachings that have limited us to a gospel that did not require much of people, 
did not ask for commitment from people. It was about their comfort, about making sure they felt good in church. I'm telling you, there's a gospel in your Bible that says it will cost you everything. You lay down your life for it. But I'm telling you, that same gospel is the power of God that I saw on people countless times over and over and over that they come in weeping, get, come out healed, come out delivered. I saw demons come out of people in the water. People say, well, I don't think you need to do that. Well, then just give me your method and we'll compare results. I didn't pick it. I didn't say, all right, now when you get in the water, demons come out. I just said, get in the water and encounter Jesus and see what happens. And all of a sudden, demons start manifesting. The Bible says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. It's not, it's not for weird churches. It's for those who believe the Bible. We're supposed to live demon-free. We're supposed to cast out demons. We're not supposed to cater to them. We're not supposed to pacify them. Say, well, let's just, let's secularize the church so much that everybody feels comfortable. I don't want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel convicted. I want to feel convicted. I want to come into, when I come into the presence of God, and what's happening is I'm coming closer to him and seeking to become closer to him. All that's happening is I'm getting more convicted. It's not like I'm getting less convicted. I'm getting more convicted. Because I'm starting to pray this prayer. I'm saying, God, show me things that offend you. Whoa. I'll be watching something. I'm going to tell on myself. I was watching old clips of Rodney Dangerfield. It was just him on the Tonight Show. It wasn't like some vulgar comedy routine. It was just him on Tonight Show. And he's interviewed, and some of the things that he was saying, and they were laughing about him and Johnny going back and forth. And as I'm sitting there just watching it, the Holy Spirit says, you wanted to know? I don't like that. I said, what? He said, that's not my kingdom. I'm telling you, if we want to be more like Jesus, there's a price to pay. There's a price, but I promise you it's worth it. As I went to bed at 5.30 in the morning on Saturday, sorry, yeah, on Saturday, I went home and I said, Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to witness your hand at work in the lives of people. It wasn't us. It's not about the Rhodes Church. not about pumping us, say we're awesome. No, 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 no. It's about saying he is real. He's not just a religious deal. He's real. People that came in skeptical, people didn't want to get in the water, but they got in all of a sudden weeping uncontrollably, repenting, life changing. What happened? They met Jesus. That's it. They met Jesus. They met Jesus. So here's what I want to pray. Everyone just bow your heads and close your eyes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. My friends, my friends, my friends, our heart is for you to know Jesus, to not know religion. Nowhere in your Bible, nowhere in your Bible did God present a gospel that was about a prayer. God's gospel was always about relationship. We have marginalized in the gospel 
into a one-time prayer and an event that happens in our life. And God says, I am calling you into relationship. Do I want everyone to question their salvation? Absolutely I do. Because you can come to a place where you do not question it. I have zero doubt about my eternity as I stand before you. But not because of a prayer I pray, but because of a relationship I have with the Holy Spirit every day who has sealed me to the day of redemption. I'm in communion with Him. I'm in communion with the Father and the Son. I'm laying down my life for Him. I'm repenting of sin when I do. I'm giving my life for Him the best that I know how. I'm not perfect by any stretch, but my heart is to serve Him and not serve sin. I have no doubt about where I'm going. But if you're here today and you're not living for Jesus, I want you to question your salvation. Because you've been fed a gospel that says, as long as I pray to prayer on a certain day at some point, one time in my life, I'm good. I never call on him during the week. I never read my Bible and I never pray, but I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person and I pray to prayer. That is not the gospel of the Bible. The Bible says that those who endure to the end will be saved. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Absolutely, that's 100% correct. But that's God's end. Nothing will stop him from loving us. But that doesn't mean we're going to heaven just because he loves us. He loves everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.